Okay. Hi there, this is Jim the Keys, bartender, coming to you from Key Largo. How are you today? I'm going to turn this music off. In the background, I have rainforest sounds playing because it's relaxing. I'm drinking my cup of coffee from this morning, even though it's afternoon, because I saved the I saved the coffee. I cover it up. I fill up a cup and I cover it up. And you don't leave it in the pot. That's the thing, because if you let it stay hot, it gets burnt, right? Mm. It's better than making another cup of coffee because then I always I have a hard time making one cup. I can make one cup of coffee, but I have a hard time going through trouble making one cup because I'm going to make more because I want to have two cups. I always think, well, so I save that one cup. So I only have one cup of coffee because I don't want to be fired up just drinking too much fucking coffee all day. Does that make any sense? You know all about my routines and stuff like that. Today was my day off. I was a little tired, had a long weekend, had one day off on Tuesday. I, I don't know if I had a lot to do on Tuesday. Boy, isn't it something you just forget what you did. But today I taught my spin class. And I relax. I watched a little TV. I watched movies. I watched Flight Plan and a beautiful day in his neighborhood. Boy, what? Flight Plan, even though it was kind of depressing because I'm not going to give away the whole thing. I think it's Flight or Flight Plan. It's Denzel Washington. He's a pilot, an alcoholic. And he runs into a problem within five, ten minutes of the beginning of the movie he the airliner that he's flying starts having engine problems and hydraulics problems and maneuvering problems so he brings it in and the national transportation safety board investigation begins and that's the whole thing it's kind of depressing but it was a good movie such a good movie denzel washington what a fucking actor that guy is he's great um but then finishing off, I saw that It's a Beautiful Day in its Neighborhood, and that's with Tom Hanks playing Mr. Rogers. And the main character, actually, is the reporter that's doing a, a story for him in, I think it's Esquire magazine, I'm not sure. One of those New York magazines, big magazine. It's Esquire. But what a great guy Mr. Rogers was. I was always a big fan when I was a kid. I didn't even realize I was a big fan because you kind of forget, I guess when you're growing up, you forget that you watch these shows. But I used to watch Mr. Rogers when I was a little boy. For you younger people, it was a kid show. Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. I think that was the name of it. And... He had a couple characters on it. It was a little educational. He was talking about being a good kid, how much, how important you are. And he was just a very caring person considering how creepy things are. Nowadays, we hear stories about priests, the Catholic Church, and teachers abusing their students and parents abusing their kids it's nice to hear a story about a guy and like I said it wasn't about it was more about the reporter that was doing a story on Mr. Rogers but 
in the roundabout, it's about Mr. Rogers and it's not about Mr. Rogers. If that makes any sense. Well, if you get a chance, if you're open to a good movie, see it. To get back to it, the keys are right now. It's been kind of cloudy all day. It's in the low 80s. We've been having some rain, which we desperately needed. There's a rain deficit in South Florida. I don't know if you hear all these birds chirping and stuff like that, but it just seems appropriate. Alexa, turn down the volume. Okay. The words were the the birds were getting awfully loud. There were, I'm gonna in the words of one of our patrons last night. We had two patrons come in. A, I guess they were. The guy was in his mid thirties. And the young lady was in her early 30s, Mike and Holly. Nice couple. Really nice couple from the Boston area. And I don't think anything he did would be embarrassing. So I could talk about these people without asking their permission. But he used the word. He. It, the, the interesting part is every so often people get fixated on a word. And his word was kerfuffle. Says she caught she's causing kerfuffle and she's giggling and all this stuff, and the the woman he's with Holly, and I did mention they were they were a nice couple. She was a very attractive woman, beautiful eyes, and she was laughing along the ways. And I said, "Well, you know, a kerfuffle." And she goes, "What is a kerfuffle?" And I said, "Kind of like a hullabaloo," which isn't exactly true because I checked it out. I knew. I knew what kerfuffle meant, but it was archaic. It's an old word. And he kept on repeating it. Like, if, I don't know why. And then today, I was listening to National Public Radio, and someone else used the term kerfuffle. And it sounded like it was one of those things, either the words finding new usage. Kerfuffle. And kerfuffle is, then it gets to these people saying, what the fuck is kerfuffle? Well, kerfuffle is um, a, an ado or a, a upsetting something or a confrontation. Things like that. This also is called a, let's see, a brouhaha, a hurly-burly. A stir, an earthquake, a hoo-ha, garboil, garboil, storm, upheaval, tumultuousness, storm center, disruption, commotion, uproar, incident, to-do, turmoil, flutter, disoil, convulsion, storm center. Wow. So, well, the opposite is order, clean, depressed, desensitized. Things like that. But a disorderly outburst or tumult, which this young lady was not causing, but it was a funny word. And hearing again this morning, I'm thinking, wow, think of all those words. Hullabaloo. A brouhaha. Garboil. With a katzenjammer. That's an uproar. Or a hubbub. How about a hubbub? What's all the hubbub, bub? That was a line from the Flintstones, I think. 
And when you see, you don't see older people using these words. It's younger people finding use for them. I guess that's what happens all the time. They fall. It's like surnames or names that fall into use. When I was born, Jim was probably a popular name. Jim's been a popular name for babies for a long time. There's a lot of Jims out there. A lot of Jacks, a lot of Toms, a lot of Dans, a lot of Dons, a lot of Sams. But then you have recently, in the last 12, 14 year Drakes. Oh, God, what are some of the names? Dylan. Dylan's a big name now. Uh, I can't think of any names. But these archaic words, they're there for a reason. And I guess people are using it because they don't want to hear, you know, hey, you you have to have an extra word for, yeah, you know, why are you starting an argument? Hey, what's the kerfuffle about? I think it's better than saying argument. And then right away, person says, well, I'm not being argumentative. I'm not being kerfufflementative, kerfufflementative. But that's enough of, enough of that. Uh, we Brouhaha, hubbub. Uproar, garboil, whatever it is. It's interesting when something uniquely happens the night before and you remember it. And I'm not drinking anymore, so I do remember. And then you hear something similar to it the next day. Like you were meant to take note of it. Huh. It's it's not that hard for me to find a kind of like a hidden meaning to it and I guess that meaning is I should have just spoke about it and then that's pretty much it uh, I wanted to move on and talk about being in the business the restaurant business and a bartender we had one of our owners went on vacation so I was filling it in helping out on the floor making sure that the place runs a little smoothly when the the owner is in a way, who's also the manager. And it, it's just, I just go around when I'm, it's, it's like me being a bartender. When I'm helping out, when I'm filling in for another manager, I'm just thinking, what does the person need? What does the restaurant, the customers are, uh, the customers, the restaurant's a customer of mine too. So I got, what does the, what does the restaurant need? What does the bar need? What do, do the patrons need? What do my cooks need? It's the way I look at it. It's, and if that's called people pleasing, I guess I'm a people pleaser. And someone says, uh, it hasn't, it hasn't been in a while, but people did say, Hey, you're, you're a people pleaser. Abby says that all the time. You just, you got to be careful. You just want to you want to say yes a lot. It's all right. And my dad mentioned this to me also. He says it's all right to say, "Hey, let me think about it for a while." When someone asks you a question, I'll get back to you. Don't automatically say yes to every request for aid or help or donation and things like that. Once I found a common element that goes through life. Once I start reacting to people and that reaction, when someone asks for something to try to make them happy by placating them or, or, or doing 
well, not placate him exactly, but, you know, help him out if someone asks for something. I get a resentment towards the person for asking when it isn't the person's fault. Anybody can ask you anything. They can ask you for $10,000. They can ask you to drive them to the airport. They can help you move to a new place. And it's not, you know, I, I, I remember the big thing. It's like you barely know somebody and they ask you to move them, which is a very labor-intensive job. I did that several times for people that we really... I've, I imagine if you're moving someone, if it's a woman and you're not involved with someone, you're moving a woman, there's a very good chance that you may have had sex with her. Or I guess a guy, if a woman does it for a guy. I mean, it's very intimate to move somebody. You have a close relationship. You're either related or a very good friend. Or in a second, but I've been I've moved people that I haven't. I've been invited by friends to help move other friends. I remember down here doing that, and the other person who helped me move it was just me and this other guy. For this woman who I wasn't really attracted to, and she had she had asked for other favors for me too, and none of them were intimate ones, and I wasn't really eager for that but I went along with it and there's nothing more I guess maddening is for you to get angry at something that you decided to do because really you can't point the finger at anybody it's not the person that's moving because they needed someone to move and you they put out the line say could you help me move can you help me move and I, I said yes you're driving to the airport so I think that all the time now when someone asks me to do something. I realize there's some things I say faster, like when I'm at work and someone says, could you cover me? And then I think right away and I think all the things that, let's say, the owner does for me. Making sure I had time off when I needed an operation and then they covered me and didn't get, you know, my shifts were still safe. That's a lot to be said at a small restaurant. At a bigger place, you can just, you know, you can move people around, go short a little. But, yeah, we're running with one bartender. When the one bartender's out of work for two weeks, you know, when after an operation, there's a lot of shifting going along. So when they ask me to do something, I snap to it. I say, yes, I could do it. I think about it. I mean, I got to make sure that I'm clear, like, that I don't have any familial commitments right but I'm eager to respond in the positive with people that are always doing me favors because I don't want to be begrudging about it same thing obviously always goes with my family right the wife the wife needs something the daughter needs something you gotta yeah sure do it now, there's, you know, there's lower order things when it comes to the daughter, you know, meaning that she could want something that's not immediate and is more of a desire, like a desire for clothing. 
doesn't necessarily, unless she need, really needs the clothing for something or something like that to go to a store, I don't have to snap, snap and say yes, but I like to say that. But for other people, I think I think with it in a restaurant, when someone asks for something that isn't difficult, it's like, yes. When someone's asking, can I, when I order something and I'm ready to say yes before they're finished a question. But uh, that's not a way to answer a question. You got to hear the whole thing out. They could ask, say, "Can listen? Listen, can you make a filet mignon, but not do it with filet, uh, with red meat? Can you make it? Can you make it with shrimp?" I know that sounds ridiculous and stuff like that, but I'm just saying an impossible question. I'm I'm saying yes to an impossible question. Oh, can you give me a ride home now? I know it's a busy Saturday night, but I need a ride because I drank too much. No, but I can call a taxi. How's that? Yeah. There's certain things. And in that case, from the perspective of the restaurant, I guess I am a people pleaser. I think there was a desire when you were growing when you're growing up that you want to be liked. You want to be included in a group, especially for children in my circumstances when I was growing up, we were moving around all the time and you're moving into a new group and you already have people in their own little cliques and you want to join that clique you want to join a clique so you try to be a you, you try not to be difficult other kids act out the other way they're just disagreeable all the time so there's a balance to be made when it comes to people pleasing there's some people you want to make sure that they you're you're in their good graces especially when they're doing shit for you all the time there's other people that haven't done anything for you in your life and they ask you for things. I've had people like that. They never come in contact with you unless they need something. There's relatives, you know, that, that old story about people that come into good fortune, they win a lottery or, you know, have come into come in some money and then all the relatives and friends come into the woodwork and start asking for favors. You don't have anything to lose by people that, you know, saying, I have to think about it. Let me think about it before because I I hardly ever heard from you before or any other time except when you need something. So I'm being more conscientious about it. I don't want to be, I want to be helpful, but I also don't want to be a doormat. And plus, when you put yourself in a situation like that, you're just going to get mad at yourself. Well, maybe you'll get mad at that person. It's not that person's fault. It's still not that person's fault. When someone has just asked people for things, always for for money, for help, for rides, whatever, it's not their fault. I mean, it's their fault not having resources and things like that. But you're responding in an affirmative is not their fault. So there's no reason to be angry on that. So summer's rolling around. We were one week, almost one week out from Memorial Day. My girls are getting ready to go to Poland. I It looks like I'm going to be able to go to Poland. And getting ready for vacations nowadays seem to be more work than usual. Like the old days. Go to another country, you got to go and get a a test within 48 hours, 72 hours, a COVID test. 
You got to make sure it comes out negative because it comes out positive. You can't go. You got to have two. I mean, hopefully you'll get a test. You got to, someone told me you should get two tests in case you get a false positive. I mean, if you get two positives, then you shouldn't really get begin on a plane, right? That sucks for you, you know, especially when you're paying all this money for airline tickets. It's kind of a gamble, isn't it? Well, have you ever seen a movie called Office Space? The main character in Office Space hated his job. He worked at a tech company that was rewriting, rewriting code for, I think, it was for credit unions, banking code. And I think they were trying to comply with the year 2000 thing. Maybe not. Maybe I'm adding too much into it. But the guy hates his job. He hates going into it. Hates people coming up. He has all a bunch of things. Like some woman came out. Looks like someone has a case in a Monday. Or his supervisor, manager, slash manager come out and say, hey, did you get the memo? The TPS reports? All the bullshit that happens at work. Right? He just hates it. Absolutely hates everything about his job. Hates talking to people. And then they commiserate with his two friends from work about how much he liked the job. And they don't dis, they dislike their jobs in different ways. So not everyone hates their job in the same way. And not everyone hates their job. Some people love their jobs. But we wouldn't have vacations if people didn't have jobs. Because if you don't work, you're independently wealthy. And you just go places. I mean, are you on vacation? Are you? You're never really working, so what's the vacation from? You could be taking a vacation from yourself instead of staying at home. But in the movie Office Space, the main character goes to a hypnotherapist that his girlfriend suggests and the hypnotherapist suggests does hypnotic suggestions saying when you go into work or whenever you're doing you're going to be thinking that you're fishing or something you like and nothing's going to bother you and whatever in the end that that was actually something that was a revelation to me Meaning, if you think about it, all you have to do to really go on vacation is to have a certain experiential event. Meaning, experience what you experience. What do you experience when you're on vacation? You get exciting when you excited when you go to the airport, or when you get in the car and you start driving. You go to the gas station, you pick up your snacks, start a road trip. It's all exciting. There's all certain sorts of possibilities. You go in some place you always wanted to go to. I loved getting in the car on a Saturday night when I was working in Philadelphia in a catering business. I was a catering manager. And every so often, a group of people there would be, it'd be a Saturday night. And it was 90 miles away, the beach. And we'd be finishing up at 11, 11.30 and then people would say, the guy, my coworkers would say, hey, let's go down the shore. We can catch the last call at the bar. And we drive down, you know, an hour and a half and crash at someone's, uh, when we first go to a bar 
And then we crash at someone's uh, vacation rental and get up in the morning around 9 so we can be back to work at 11.30. You know, be out till 4 in the morning, sleep 5 hours, you know, go down to the beach. You don't even see the, you don't even see the ocean. But that's just the sake that you're going down the shore. It's exciting. I guess maybe that's, I mean, it couldn't have been just for drinking because you could drink. You could drink anywhere in Philadelphia. So why would you, you know, going down the shore be that difference of an experience? Why, why would we go down there? I don't get it. But we did it. And we were excited about it. And we were ready to drive back the next day. Wow. Kind of nutty. Well, why can't we experience that going into work? Just that mindset. When I wake up, I Thursday's my day off. I got Tuesday off and I have Thursday off from my main job. Friday rolls around. I got a whole new set of work to do. I have my Friday evening, Saturday evening, Sunday, all day Monday. I just have to say, hey, who who am I going to meet? Is it going to be exciting? It's going to be fun. I don't know. I may learn something like I did last night. I don't know. I, I knew the word kerfuffle already, but I, I learned that people are still using the word. And you can have a good time. You can have a good time at work. You can have a bad time on vacation. Why does work get that bad a rap? Is it because you have to go in? It's mandatory. If you don't go into work, you get fired. And then if you get fired, you have no resources. And without resources, you can't go on. You can't pay for your car, your rent, your cell phone, all the things you need in this modern society of ours. That right now, you can have, there's jobs all over the place. I don't want to lose my job because I like the people I work with. And I like where I work. I like what I'm doing right now. I was explaining to people that sometimes people identify too closely with their jobs. You could do a really good job at what you're doing without identifying too closely with it. You get what I'm saying? Like you don't have to be, I don't have to be the I, I need to be the best bartender I need to be and be friendly and all that stuff. But I don't have to be better than this person or that person. And when I hear someone else is great, I don't need to feel less about myself. And when you hear someone says, well, I got to go into work. I'm working tonight. It's like always a depressing thing. How about I got to go into work? Are there people out there that are just excited to go into their jobs? Think about it. Just some of these jobs that people really hate, like psychiatrist, um, dentist. People that go to see the dentist aren't, aren't really happy about seeing the dentist. And the dentists have to really psych themselves. They train really hard to do their jobs. And it's very important. Dental, good dental care is very important to you. Not just your, your teeth and your your mouth and all that stuff, your whole body's tied to that. You know, the, if you you get a, an infection in a tooth, it could affect your heart. 
I know, it sounds crazy, but they're all tied together. So it's very important. And a psychiatrist for mental health. But these people come in there and they're having problems. They can get depressed. One of my marriage counselors, when I was married years ago, ended up taking his own life. Not during the session, thankfully. And he seemed to be very happy. But he always came in. I imagine people don't go to marriage counselors usually because they're having such a great time being married. They're doing it because they're having problems. Just like psychiatrists. I mean, dentists, they could, you can go into dentists and get your teeth cleaned, get a good bill of health. But they, they're, people get depressed and they, have, they look... Almost everyone has an issue with their job. It's amazing. You see a star athlete get all pissed off when someone asks, 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 asks for their autograph or asks the wrong kind of question. Or if they don't win. Obviously, you're not winning every day in your job. I mean, your job may not, you may not be competing against, but do you have... Small victories and small failures tied together. That's life, isn't it? Not a string of victories. There was never a life that lasted significantly, a significant amount of time where someone hasn't experienced some failure, loss, or shortcoming. And there's no vacation where everything was awesome. Not everything. We may have overlooked things. And I remember all those times I really enjoyed. Sometimes I, some vacations I went on, I went on with some people, uh, let's say girlfriends at the time. And if they weren't having a good time, then I wasn't having a good time. If I wasn't having a good time, they weren't having a good time. Just miserable. And vacations can be that way. They're not all fun. So why can't we transfer that mentality to work? And I'm not doing it for the sake, saying it for the sake of the employer, though it would be nice to have employees that were happy, right? I'm doing it for your own well-being when you're going into your job. Whether it's a Tyson chicken processing plant or a crossing guard in New York City. Or a balloon operator in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Which sounds like a pretty fucking awesome job. But there's all sorts of jobs. And you think of people like this. People get sick of some of their jobs. Think of dive instructors. People down here, they love becoming dive instructors in the Keys. And there's so much bullshit they go through and stuff like that. And they can get... They can get busted for certain things and they they got to be careful when you're a dive instructor or working on a dive boat. You got to fill tanks. You screw up. You, you could screw up if you don't fill up all the tanks right. If you don't have things lined up correctly. It, it just, when you take a, and I mentioned this before, when you take a an avocation, something you like and turn it into a job. Think of that. Being a musician and you're working in a I know musicians, the first time they play, the first time musicians play in a, a gig or get up 
and play with a band. They're so excited. But once they get used to it, it's not as exciting to them. They lost that newness. Same thing with bartending. In the, or bartending or serving or working as an accountant, a clerk, right? A painter. There's certain joy into doing things, discovering things in new time and accomplishing things. There's a certain joy about that. Becoming good at your work. Becoming adept and skilled. It's very... I don't know how to really put it. Affirming. Affirming to your ability to to grow as a human being. And what is the purpose of a vacation? Set, cut, you know, letting off a little steam, a little relaxation, a little change of pace. And all we need to do that is to really take a different perspective for that. I know it sounds real wishy-washy. It sounds huge wishy-washy. But you don't have to. You don't really have to take a vacation from your family, your job, your thing to really take a vacation. Try someday. I've done this because I've seen people do it and I've heard hints of, of this Focusing on listening to people, what they really want, what they're saying, not being distracted, putting away the cell phone, right? Not reading. When you're with someone, being with somebody. That'd be kind of like a vacation, wouldn't it? Focusing on that person. Focus on an idea. One day. Focus on the idea one day when you're going to work of superlatives. I'm going to try my best to do my best and be my best. Jim, that's good. You're just ass-kissing, Jim. Why would you want to do that for a shitty job that you're doing? You're doing it for yourself, not for, not for your employer, not for your coworkers. But if you're doing that and you're doing it the right way, the owner and your coworkers will see a benefit to that because you're going to be the person... You, you truly are because you're not being that person when you're you're not being the person you truly are when you always have that roadblock up like you're dissatisfied with your job this is beneath me my job that's what you some people think this is beneath me when someone comes riding up to with a um, parking in our parking lot with a Maserati or you know any assorted $100,000 car or $200,000 car. I don't think, wow, what kind of life that person has. Or they go away to Italy for a month. Now, I had this discussion with my dad today. My family and I, we have, we seem to live the life of an upper middle class family, even though we are middle class. In the middle. Now, if we lived up in, let's let's put it someplace in the middle of the country. Let's say we lived in the middle of Kansas and earned the same amount. We would be upper middle class. 
Not way up there, but we would be up in upper middle class. But the cost of living down here is so high that we're just there. But we see, we do things that upper middle class go, does. Abby goes to Poland. She's planning on going to Poland for seven weeks. They're going to be touring. When they go over there, she's going to go to Italy. She's going to be in the mountains of southern Poland where she has a condo. And then when I get, to, if I get there, when I get there, we're probably going to go to, we're going to go throughout, go to salt mines, do some touring and visiting some places in Poland and go into, and then go to another country, maybe Prague in, in the Czech Republic or maybe Hungary. That's vacation. But there's no reason why I can't feel that way today. Today, my daughter's graduating from eighth grade. Matter of fact, in about 15, 20 minutes, I'm going to have to go in and take a shower and get ready. And uh, we're going to, I mean, probably spend like an hour and a half watching like a slideshow for the graduation. 30 kids see all these pictures and they're going to do awards, maybe. And give out little eighth grade diplomas. And then we're going to go out to dinner. Now, I just gave you a rundown of what I think is going to happen tonight. What I'm going to do is not... I know where I have to be. I know what I have to do. I know the role I have to play as a father. I'm going to take pictures and stuff like that. But I'm going to enjoy it. And I'm going to experience it. And I'm going to really try to be there at the moment. And enjoy where I am. Even though if someone said to me... If without not having a daughter and someone said, hey, what do you want to do on your night off? Why don't we go to an eighth grade graduation? Well, that would not be the thing I would say. But I'm going to do that tonight. And I'm going to try to enjoy it. And I'm going to think like I, I really chose to do it. Like I wanted to go to the Van Gogh exhibit in Miami. Or go see The weekend, the com- the com- you know, the guy, the, the new musician, The weekend. I always get confused with that. The weekend. It doesn't even spell it the weekend. But W K N D. We'll leave that for another day. So if you are in the Florida Keys and you are on vacation or you're not on vacation, try to maintain that attitude that you are on vacation. Enjoy the things around you and the people you're with. And while you're down here, if you're near mile marker 102 Oceanside, check out the Catch Restaurant and Bar. They're open every day of the week for lunch and dinner. Happy hours on Monday through Friday, 3.30 to 6.30. And uh, if you catch your own fish, you can bring it in. They'll cook it up any style you want. And uh, it has a lot of... I'm sorry about the umzah. They have a lot of choices other than seafood. They have a lot of non-seafood choices for these people that aren't seafood people. I always thought, you know, you know what isn't a vacation, I think, for people. I ran into a couple guys. They have shellfish allergies, and they can't eat any fried food at places, small places because, you know, you have just a couple fryers, and you can't really segregate the fryers and say, well, this fryer is for no shellfish. And this one is for shellfish. People with the, you know, they just, they're got to be constantly vigilant when they go outside. 
when they go to a restaurant. Even those people go on vacation. That's amazing. Those people. I'm talking about with severe allergies and stuff like that. But if you do come, I on a side note, if you do come to catch, make sure that the, you told them that the Keys Bartender sent you. And if you like the show, the Keys Bartender Show, like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Send us an email to jim at keysbartender.com. Follow us. Subscribe to the show on whatever platform you have. Right? Subscribe to it. You'll get all these live ones. They'll show when they, when they come up. I think Spreaker is the one that shows up live. You, every so often I may get like one or two people that listen to the show live. Because I don't really broadcast that I'm going to do it. Or schedule a live uh, podcast. Well, this is the third episode of the week. And so I'm going to end up... This is 451. We're going to go to 452... Maybe tomorrow. Maybe I can get to tomorrow. Who knows? But uh, this is not my vacation, but I'm going to treat it like a vacation. Thanks again. Jim the Keys bartender signing off. Till next time. Jim a Keys bartender, I guess I should have said. Talk to you later. Bye. <laughs>